Good evening, Monadnock Region, and welcome back to a new year, 2023. Those of you who need a reminder, uh, here in the Space Lounge. This is GOMO Tonight, another episode of the Monadnock Region's only weekly, locally focused comedy podcast. We are here today as your host, Christopher J. DiLoretto, along with my lovely co-host, Zoe A. Roten-Heinzman. Nice. And it is technically, actually, because we are taking the rare step of, and this is my fault, and um, Zoe's very energetic right now, but I am kind of dragging her along in this. Um, it is past midnight when we're recording this, and it is technically Friday the 13th of January, 2023. And we have chosen this auspicious day to record our return after our extended holiday break. Um, do you have feelings about Friday the 13th? I was just going to ask you that. I, well, I've, I've, never had a, I've never had a notable one, one way or another. No, I, and I haven't either. I like to, I would say the, the, um, the truest element of my Friday the 13th experience has always just been being like, you know, it's Friday the 13th. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I enjoy that. I like doing that. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's, it's fun for me, but nothing bad has ever really happened. When, one thing I will say is that, um, you know, in, in recent years, do you know where I'm going with this? What the social media trend is, is there's that whole, it's like a meme, but like, it's a lot of text. I don't think it's really much of a meme, but it's like the whole idea that like, you know, do you know where Friday the 13th came from? the patriarchy and it really it's about hating women and women being evil and it is truly not an unlucky day but it is the day of the woman and her power something to that effect i'm, I'm, I'm butchering it missed, um, i've missed this completely yeah you'll see it uh, if, now you I will. Facebook, if you go on facebook today i guarantee you'll see it somewhere someone's gonna say it and they're gonna be like this is actually Evidence of the power of woman, Friday the 13th, smash the patriarchy. <laughs> um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think it's actually true. Like, I think I looked it up and it's like, none, none of it's true, I don't think. Wait, now I have um, to look. I'll, I'll be our producer. Yeah, be, yeah, be Jimmy and, um, and <laughs> see what you can find on that one. Um, but uh, so, you know, um, while you're looking that up, though, I'll, I'll just briefly... Or, or maybe not so briefly, we can go get back to Friday the 13th, um, change the subject to say that while we were on this break, this wasn't actually just a uh, Christmas and, and New Year's break. We, we probably would have returned actually um, a couple of weeks ago if that were the case. But this may come as a shock to many viewers, although um, I, you know, I did obviously put out a social media statement after the fact. So anybody who's friends with me personally knows, but um, if not... I, a week and two days ago, had what is known as a nephrourectomy uh, down in Burlington, Massachusetts at the um, Leahy Clinic. And that means that they took my kidney out. The, the whole thing, the right kidney is gone, it, along with the ureter, which if you don't know, that's, the, that's, the, that's actually the, the secret P-tube that, that, um, <laughs> runs, that runs the line from your kidney to your bladder. Um, and before you do that, and they, they had to get, it had to go, it had to go because 
I accidentally grew a tumor uh, in it. You know, big fucking, you know, little little hunk of cants um, growing in the old uh, kidney back there. And um, it's called uh, transit transitional or transitory trans- transitional cell transitional cell carcinoma of the renal pelvis which is renal pelvis this is not your regular pelvis i learned this is all kinds of weird little body parts that you find out in these in these moments it's uh it's a little it's a little uh little pocket inside the kidney where i think um the urine initially forms and um i never wanted to get this deep into the whole urination thing um, really, it's not, it's not, it's just not one of my favorite activities, but like, whew, we've been neck deep in it. And I can tell you after the ordeal having been over that I have, um, never been more grateful to just like pee normally, which is, which is fun. Um, but you know, a little bit of a, a frightening bout. No one likes to hear that they've got, you know, a little, a C word, you know, and, um, but the, the fact is that I was, um, pretty lucky because most of the time people with kidney cancer don't get symptoms until it's already spread somewhere else. And by then, as you might imagine, it's bad, you know, it's a, it's a real bad thing. Um, I fortunately did have some symptoms that, you know, when, you know, if always talk about taking good advice here, right? Just a little seriously good advice, you know, um, I don't want to sound cliche and be like, trust your body. But what I'm saying is know your body well enough that like, if it's doing something that you really think it shouldn't be doing, don't let that go. Tell the doctor. And if the doctor lets it go, but it doesn't go away and you still think it shouldn't be doing that, call them back and keep call a different doctor. Keep calling people. Um, because if you don't do that, it, it, you know, it, especially as you get old, you know, um, like, like we are, it, the likelihood increases that like you're taking your life into your hands, you know? So you have to be your own advocate in these things, which fortunately I did. Um, it was a long ordeal cause they were kind of just telling me to fuck off, um, for a really long time. Um, but you know, eventually got that bad boy scanned and they're like, Oh yeah, yeah that thing in there that shouldn't be in there. And, um, but by all appearances, no spread. Um, Taking the, there's there's no follow up um, chemotherapy or radiation or anything of the kind. Um, the the um, belief right now is that they they got it all. Couldn't keep the kidney because they they analyze these things. They analyze the tumors. Um, and Which is bad because you wanted we, to plant a kidney tree. tree. Yeah. yeah, we could we think about that. You know, right? I mean, when, if especially if if you look because because I'm trying to you know. A, it, it's, it's important if you do get like a diagnosis or something like this to like keep your mind right, you know, as much as you can. And you gotta, you gotta, what that looks like is going to be different for everybody, I think. And, but for me, one thing that was really helpful was to try to view all of this difficulty as part of a inevitable and, and, and not to be resisted process in life in which we, we, we all might periodically go through in which, you know, you, you get a little bit of a wake up call where you have to go through an ordeal. Like you have to, and you have to lose something and like you have to, um, be willing to, um, understand that you have to like 
leave that thing behind and go through the difficulty in order to, on the other side, um, find a, a, a new a time of health, ideally, right? And I mean, that, and that sounds very idealistic and all that, and maybe it is, but it was helpful going through the entire process. Um, so the, the, so, so that's my, um, kind of like almost, you know, like spiritual outlook on the whole thing. But what the doctors are saying is that they, they, they call it cured. Um, it, it's gone. I don't need to do anything else. We'll, we'll scan me from time to time, which like, you know, if medicine was free, no, well, I shouldn't say this. What I was going to say is if medicine was free, we could all just like get these scans every now and again and like check ourselves out. And like that would catch um, sl slow growing or fast growing um, hidden cancers that don't have um, th that you, you wouldn't find until later. Otherwise you catch all of these things much earlier. The reason I stopped myself though, is just because in countries where medicine is free, they still don't give you fucking cat scans and MRIs on demand. Um, in fact, it's, it, depending upon who you ask, and it's probably actually, if you have medical insurance, a big caveat, I understand, it's probably quicker and easier to get a CAT scan or an MRI in the US than it is in Europe. Um, I, would, I would bet money on it, in fact. Um, but in any case, I will get the scans because as a, as a, as a now cancer, a former cancer guy, um, I'm entitled. Um, and they, they'll check me out and make sure that it's not going back, but right kidney's gone. I got a, I got a big old, you know, it's big old, it was laparoscopic, right? But there's a big old incision right here where they, um, eight centimeters where they, they, they pulled the thing out, but I had a genius surgeon and I feel like a million bucks and I went down to mass, which is what you should do. Don't, don't, I mean, I, and I, I, I joke around a lot, but this is not me just busting on New Hampshire. I'm just telling you, it's your life. Don't put it in the hands of the doctors up here. If you have anything serious to ride the hour and a half somewhere, there's a lot of places you can go in an hour and a half. But, um, yeah, it, so it was, you know, last Tuesday and, you know, like any good co-host would do, um, Zoe was actually there for all of it. And, um, you know, she kind of, she saw the operation that they had, <laughs> not the, not the, no, not, not, <laughs> That, that wrong choice of word. She did that not was, see the operation. They don't, they don't allow spectating. Um, I would have opted out even if they did allow it. You wouldn't have been curious enough to like see? I I don't know. I think I, I would watch if they took your maybe, kidney out if they offered that to me. You would watch them take my kidney out? Maybe. I mean, I want you to keep yours, but like if you had, you know, I don't know. I, I, it's like if somebody puts that question to me, though, I feel like it's like, ooh. I don't I don't normally like looking at things like that, right? But right. like when am I but when am I ever gonna see something like that again? Like, you know? I guess I watched a couple uh, like clips of it on the internet before you had yours. Oh and I I didn't want to see <laughs> I wouldn't want to okay. see that again. And I might feel the same way <laughs> if I had done that. Um I, I don't remember if it was you that I was talking to or someone else, but like in the in the process of uh, the time around all of this, but like dear, I think it was TLC back before that was a channel yes. about, yeah, um, we were talking about this. yeah, about whatever, whatever. I don't even want to call it reality TV because it's like extra bizarre reality, like freak shows basically is what it turned out to be. But back well, in what, the day they what showed does TLC do now. Do they do like weird weddings or is it moved um, even beyond that? 
No, I think it's way beyond that. Let me just be, be the producer. But, yeah, weird weird weddings was the last time that I saw TLC, but but they did used to have like operations, like yes, probably, probably plastic surgery, right? It was like plastic surgery before and after, or was it more mundane stuff? Was it just I like it was, I think it was both. Okay, just like it, tune it was in literally for this. Just like it was like raw surgical video, just on <laughs> on cable. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, and yeah, I don't know if that what I, what the co- the conversation we were having was like is that gone or do we just not think about TLC anymore and we didn't find out the answer. No, I no, I do know the answer. They definitely don't show that anymore, okay. and I don't think they have since like the nineties. Um, and it's it, it it just it does raise a lot of questions. Like who? I mean, I don't oppose it, but who was asking for this? You know what I mean? Like who was like, who was like, let's, to watch this. let's throw this on the air, you know, like that's, you know, and yeah, yes. Because it's like, what, what was this born out of a, a studio executive who thought that the masses wanted to see it or were people like, was this from focus <laughs> groups? Did they say we would like to see human or surgery? Were they like, we've got to fill some of the hours between the wedding shows. Like what footage can we get for cheap? But they didn't have those back then. They didn't. Oh, so the wedding shows and the surgeries did not overlap. Okay, no, it was like a heart, It's like a totally different. You know, um, <laughs> I'm confusing my TLC eras here. It, it's like the difference between like um, World War II all the time History Channel and Ancient Aliens History Channel. You know, it's like same same channel, but there was a divide, and those two things never really coexisted. No, they do. They do still have surgery shows. There's a, there's they just like premiered this brand new show on TLC called Awake Surgery for people who but like do they do they really show it or is it just like a these are the people in the drama around the reality around the around the surgery it's a good question yeah it's a I good don't question know. Um, but Awake Surgery oh, no on this preview video it like no there's like. This little preview video on TLC's Facebook that, that this is showing me is like showing like a freaking operation. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that does. It does seem that way. And this just debuted in December. You're right. Brand new. There's just a lot we don't know about TLC is what I really think. Yeah. What the fuck? That is weird. And, and that's interesting because that is certainly an evolution um, because, you know, we have a character here, this doctor that they're going to see, um, you know, and because before it was just like, it was literally just raw footage. Like, right. right, right. Even, like, no one, there was no narrator. There was no host. There was no like intro really. You just heard the surgeon talking like the surgeon talks while the, like the C-span of surgery. Was like over a body, and yes. you would just like watch, I guess, if you wanted to. Yeah, you know, maybe it was a good commercial show um, while you're watching something else. You know, like all right, let's check in on the doc, like see how he's doing. Um, but no, she no. I what I, what I meant though was that um, Zoe saw the um, the operation in terms of like the um, the the um, both like the op department and the you know, urology, um, surgeons that we had at Leahy, 
um, she she bore witness to the, to the to the decent medicine going on down there, not the not the actual operation that I underwent. Um, but I don't know any any comment on that or um, from the from the experience or. Um, you know, hospitals are weird places. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit afterward. Like, it's just a place where there's like, there's lots of rules that seem to have no purpose or origin. They're just there mm. to be followed. Yeah, well, a lot of people don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, well, they might know because even around here, if you go to any of the hospitals or you know whatever, they they do still make you put a mask on. I think, um, and if if not, that changed very recently. But Leahy very much not only makes you do that, but has like full on COVID protocols in terms of like how many visitors can be there, what the hours are, like all this stuff. Like they, which to me just says that they just, it's easier for the hospital for it to be that way. Mm. And so they don't want to change it, you know, because it's not, it's not because of COVID. Right. And, you know, I just hung out in the cafeteria where you're allowed to have, you're allowed to take your mask off, you know, and, even though it's like an open cafeteria right there on the main floor of the hospital, it's like you cross that magical line and then you're nobody you're can get a disease. Yeah. So it's clearly not, it's clearly not a disease protocol. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, they, they are weird places. And, um, you know, I mean, probably, um, you were conscious in the hospital more time than I was. Um, if I, if, if we added it up, I was out for a while. Um, but no, they're, they're very good to you. Um, but you know, I went home after 24 hours, walked out on my own feet. Absolutely amazing. Um, Yeah. And cause 'cause people are like 24 hours. Was it less? Yes. Cause you were out of surgery at 6 PM. Oh yeah. And what's, oh yeah. Right. And, um, and we left at like what, two, three. Yeah. Something like that. Um, yeah. So, um, so which is, which is great. Now, some people will say like, they'll say two things to me first. They'll be like, well, why don't they, shouldn't they take you out in a wheelchair? And actually the answer is no, because when you're recovering from kidney surgery, the more that you walk, actually, the better off you are. Um, it's, you, it's, it's the healing actually does not occur when you're laying down. You have to lay down a lot because you're tired and the, you know, the, your body in general, um, needs more rest. But like in terms of the healing of the stuff, they want you to walk and they want you to walk right away. Like they had me walking. It was about 12 hours after I got it. It was probably about six or seven in the morning. I think, um, we at least started talking about walking and I think I, I probably took my first walk around nine or 10. I'm just walking around. They don't give you a room either because they, they they don't have any rooms. So you just stay in recovery overnight indefinitely. <laughs> where there's just like curtains. That was that was just your situation. Like I don't think that's all that's always the case. Well, well when my dad had his surgery um about a month before me, it was the same deal. Mm. You never well, the, got out of recovery. But the nurses were like, they were like, Yeah, we're getting we're trying to get him well, to bed. Right. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I think he's leaving. <laughs> yeah, I think he's leaving. But that's the other thing that people say is that they'll they'll refer back to like something. I mean, it's in. I feel like this used to get talked about more like twenty years ago than it does now. But they'll be like, yeah, you know, insurance companies they just like want you to get out of the hospital, um, and you know they they push you out too soon and all this stuff. And like, I just want to be clear. No, no, I wanted to leave the hospital. Nobody said anything to me about insurance and. 
if I had either complained or like, ref- if I had so much as like refused to take my walks, like I would have gotten that room and I would have stayed an extra night. I don't want to be in the hospital. And given that, um, you know, because hospitals are weird and they're filled with sick people and I want to be home, right? Or like out of there anyways. And the, um, and like I said, nobody was, nobody was pushing me out. Like I was absolutely ready to go, especially since again, the point is not bed rest. So it's not like it was any of any benefit to me to like sit there and like enjoy the hospital food and like watch some shows on my iPad. Like, no, no, no. I, I went out of the hospital to do that because th- there's no, there's no advantage, you know? And, um, honestly the, um, painkiller wise now, so because I, I want to talk about this too, actually, because I've been saying this for years and now I'm a victim. Um, but we, we all flipped out, you know, about the, the Sacklers and like the pill mills in Florida and the, op- you know, the, the resulting opioid epidemic and all this stuff. Right. And just like with say like the shoe bomber, right? Like it, the, the, I've known for years, I've been watching this happen and I've been saying, this is bad. We're overreacting to this. And the people who need pain medication the most are going to suffer because of this, because of, because now we have ideals about the primacy of avoiding even the tiny chance of addiction to, uh, over management of pain. Um, and, and that is shitty in my opinion, especially since, you know, the idea that the whole opioid epidemic was primarily caused by, um, people's leftover Vicodins that they got from their knee injury. Like, yes, that happened indeed. Like that's not an uncommon thing, but the entire thing is not caused by that, you know? And even if pain medication was overprescribed before, because I, I'm not entirely unsympathetic to the argument that sometimes like we need a little pain and like the idea that like you never feel any pain might not be conducive to healing and it might, and that's fine. And that's cool. Um, but sometimes you need the fucking pain medication and they don't, they don't really do that. They like, um, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you would definitely be getting like a morphine, um, IV drip, um, at minimum, when you come out, you, you would be on it already. You'd be on it and, you know, until you, you know, you started doing those walks around and, and started getting ready to go home. Nothing, nothing. I got Tylenol, Tylenol. You can't have ibuprofen with one kidney bummer, right? Cause it works. Um, and Tylenol, yeah. I've come to appreciate it in the last week, but it, I've really liked ibuprofen all these years. Um, it's a sad thing to let go along with smoking. Um, but, um, and, and they would sometimes, if I complained a lot, because, you know, they just fucking cut me open and took an organ, right? Why would I complain? They would sprinkle a little Dilaudid into the IV bag, which would give you like a half an hour um, to like take the edge off, right? Bummer. But actually, when they quit doing that and just gave me, and again, very low dose of, of oxycodone, like you would get like seven times this amount for... Uh, um, you know, like a root canal or something just 10 years ago. Right. And they're just giving me these tiny, tiny little doses. Nonetheless, those tiny oral doses did a lot more than that crappy Dilaudid. did. Um, but the truth is, and I, I do credit this to the surgeon mostly, maybe a little bit to willpower, but 
it was only a, like three days or so that I actually needed pain medication at all. And, um, and eventually it, it wore off. But um, so nice experience as far as losing an organ goes. Yeah. Well, my mom, my mom had foot surgery not that long ago and, and suffered from this pain medication thing where they, yeah. they were making her like, they were giving her like two or three pills at a time. And like, she had like some bone, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to do with her bones that, and like, she was in like very severe foot pain. And yeah. like, she said that she would be like ticking down the minutes that felt like hours until she was like allowed to call and get more medicine. And it's like, you just don't need to like put a woman who's like literally had her bones like shaved or whatever they did to her. Like that person doesn't really need to be subjected to that. I don't think. Yeah. It's it's like, even if there was a point here, you know, and, and even if they marketed Oxycontin in an evil way and, and even, you know, like all of these things, right. Like, and even if we decide like, okay, you know, you don't actually need like two bottles of Vicodin for your, your tooth root canal, right? Fine. Okay. All right. Cool. Like, you know, Bush administration, like I, we've said this many times, heady days, you know what I mean? It's, it's crazy time. Everybody's doing lots of drugs. Um, but um, that's fine. We don't have to keep doing that. But the people in extreme pain should get it. And, and, and just as a matter of policy, like that should be the first resort, not the, not the, the thing you have to beg for. Right. Um, and, and all that I mean, stuff. and you had to call, you had to call. I had to call. Yeah, I had to call. And they, but they told me that it was, it was fine. Like they sent, they literally sent, like, if anybody's ever, ever taken pain medication, you know how small this is. Seven, seven individual pills, five milligrams each of oxycodone and, and anybody who, who actually remembers what oxycontin was like, um, m- like, you know, 80 milligrams, 40 milligrams, 20 milligrams, one pill, you know I mean? Like that's, that was the, man, you know, take the pain away, man. You know, again, maybe that was excessive, but now we've gone down to five, right? Nonetheless, I, it's been a lot of years since I was interested in that kind of partying, right? So like, I'm not looking for a good time. And I was very clear with them about that. I wanted to come off of those meds as soon as possible. Did not have any difficulty. You don't get withdrawals after a few days. You don't. Um, and that's what I did. Um, but I did. Seven was not enough at all. You know, that was like basically like one 24-hour period's worth. But they told me, they're like, we're only giving you this. Call us back if you need more. We'll call it in. We did do that. They did call it in. And um, I didn't even need to finish the second round. Um, I stopped on my own, um, which I think most people do, guys, honestly. Like, we don't, we can trust the majority of people to, like, not develop, not be like, oh, my seven oxycodones are gone. Let me see if I can score smack on the street. You know, like, most people aren't going to do that. Like the vast majority of people don't do that, you know? So I don't know. We can, we can take more of a, a moderate path, I think, in that regard. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, we got through it. And, um, you know, there's all kinds of weird things um, associated with this. Like, I, like they, they don't even tell you this till after. But, like, I don't know if you guys know, but if you have, like, surgery, like, anywhere around there, your intestines just, like, turn off. Like, and they stay that way. And for a while... Like they just like even afterwards, like they just stay shut off, and it like takes like effort and days for them to like slowly be like. Mm-hmm. It's like a it's like and it's like an engine 
that doesn't quite want to like turn over right away. It's like, and then, you know, finally do. So there was that, that was basically as painful as the, like the wounds were. Um, and that, but it was after, at least I didn't have to deal with them both at the same time. So it was like the wound pain went away and then there was just angsty, um, intestines. And I couldn't really eat until that was at least partially resolved. Um, so that was, that was tricky, but like, yeah, I mean, you know, I was out and about tonight. We had, um, open mic over. It was, it was Thursday it's past midnight. I remind you, um, we had our open mic, um, an Adnock underground writer's night out at the Peterborough town library. And, um, I don't think anybody would have known that I was, uh, that I only got a, a super left kidney now. Yeah. You know, kind of fun. Yeah. So, so just, um, you know, um, wanted to, you know, let the, let the viewers know the excitement that's, um, been going on. And, uh, but you know, now, now we're back. It's a new year. I have a lot of hopes. I did. I was very happy that, um, this was scheduled for the 3rd of January because it did feel like, you know, going along with that whole narrative that I explained earlier was helpful. Um, you know, we could kind of say, okay, we're beginning the year, we're getting the cans out and then the whole year can unfold from there. And that's, that's where we're at now. And, um, yeah, I think that's that. Yeah. Um, in terms of, um, you know, local affairs, um, there's, um, this is of course, as, as Zoe found out doing the, um, Tuesday email this week, this is another one of those periods of time in the year, in my opinion, the worst one, um, where activity just like, like intestines after surgery, just <laughs> grinds, grinds to a total halt. I'm going to use that as like a metaphor from now on, you know, <laughs> anytime I want to say grinds to a halt, I'm going to say like intestines after a surgery beforehand. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, and people but, who get it, will get it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And people who don't will look puzzled and I won't explain. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, there's nothing going on in terms of things to do basically right now. Um, it's, um, an interesting winter because it is so mild that even I'm not complaining. Um, you know, it's it's not cold out really. I know um, it's, it's raining and it's like it's pouring right now. Yeah, fifty degrees or something. If not uh-huh. now, then it will be soon. Yeah. Um, so interesting January. Um, not necessarily what I was expecting. I kind of it's it's kind of funny because um, I don't I don't recall if I ever confessed to this on on air, but Zoe knows this that like my my. I, I obviously am very famous for my hatred of winter, my incessant, my refusal to stop complaining about it um, as a matter of principle, right? But um, but going back to, I believe it was the winter of 02, 03, um, it, during which we had a very cold snap at, at, at this time of January, um, you know, zero degrees for like two weeks, um, back before climate change, again, Bush administration, heady days, whatever. Um Every few years, there's no exact number. It's not a hard and fast rule, but like every few years, I have a year where I say to myself, this year, I am not going to mind the winter and I'm just going to breeze on through it. It doesn't mean I'm going to like it. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to like take up a winter sport or like fully embrace 
what everyone likes around here. I'm not going to chop any wood, but it does mean that like, if it is zero degrees and like, like that year I would be like waiting for buses and like shit in Boston and things like that in the zero degrees. But I would just try to like do like a mind over matter thing. You know, I had, I had a nice coat. It was a good pea coat. Um, a lot of people wearing pea coats back then, um, which as we should today, you know, but like, you know, it's proper black pea coat. Right. Um, and, um, so, but nothing crazy, not a parka or anything, but like a pea coat. And I just say to myself, yeah, it is, it is fucking cold and I don't really care. And you like, for me anyways, my body naturally tenses up as soon as I walk outside the front door and it's cold. Right. And it's below like 40 degrees. I just tense up. Right. But if I, if I have this thought process in mind, I control my own like relaxation and I, and I don't, cause the tension doesn't help. I don't really think, I think it just makes yeah. you colder, you know, I mean, it makes you suffer like, more. That's like Wim Hof's whole thing is like, it kind of is. Yeah. I like just, control your mind, you know, and like get over the, get over the stimulus of the cold. So I, I decided, and I think that I quietly decided this maybe as early as the end of last winter, but like as we began approaching the season, I, I confirmed it in my head and then began confessing it to, you know, trusted friends and colleagues. Um, but this year was going to be one of those years that where I was like, you know what? I'm just, and I did, no, granted, I made some outlandish claims. Like I did say, like, I'm going to um, start snowshoeing and I'm going to spend Every single day, I'm going to do 20 minutes outside, no matter what day it is or the weather. I haven't done that once. Um, and I didn't get any snowshoes, and there isn't any snow. I was um, going to say, it's not, it's not too late for the snowshoeing because there's really been like one opportunity for it. Right, right. But, it, it, but it, I feel like it is the kind of, kind of thing where the pattern has sort of been that like, and if this continues to follow, it is that like, yeah, we might get like one or two snowstorms after this, but they're going to be followed by like rainstorms like this right. one. And I don't know if I'm going to go buy something to, um, yeah. you know, to try to capture those windows, you know, I hear you. I should try to get outside more. I really should. The, the, it was, the idea was both for air quality and the light. We've been talking a lot about getting that natural light. I have this beautiful sun lamp right here, which does help me. This is, I didn't have this last year and it's good. And I take, excuse me, I take a ton of vitamin D in the wintertime. Um, and that helps too, but there is something, I think Zoe said this first, um, about those natural rays, particularly at certain times of day that are just, they just seem to be beneficial for the humans. Um, and I miss out on that when I am never outdoors. I, I am, I have this reputation for being like a very winter outdoorsy person, maybe yeah. only to you. Cause you definitely like believed this about me, but like yes, I did. we until this year. Yeah. I will hike with the kids once a week, but I don't enjoy being outside in the cold either. And I did start cross country skiing last year, which I thought was actually pretty fun. Uh, we talked, I think I talked on the show that I don't, don't like sliding sports. You know, I don't, I don't want to feel out of that. control, but cross country skiing was, was pretty fun to do last year. And so, you know, if I don't get to do it this winter, I probably will feel like a tiny little, like, uh, that's too bad. That would have been fun. Yeah. To sure. Um, but I'm not going to like be super upset about it. 
So I, I mean, I think that I just in, inferred that um, about you because, like, out of a combination of your your um, visible discipline in continuing to do those winter hikes, at least for a couple of years, anyways. Yeah. Um, no, we, uh, and, we haven't gotten back up from the holidays, but like we're yeah. yeah. Um, well, and there was a lot of like disease and stuff. A lot um, of disease, disease and holidays, but yes, that's that's not. Yeah, the winter is not over. No, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say it's dead, but like there, it, it it did feel like at least in like 2020 and maybe last year that it was like you guys were like the postal service. Like, didn't matter what was going on. Like, you were like on that Friday or whatever hike day. Like, you were like out there. So combination of that and the fact that I know that some of the people that you were hiking with are very enthusiastic winter people. So I assumed yeah. that that just applied to everybody in the group. And, and then the, the cross country skiing thing on top of it, like that was like the icing on the cake where it's like, yeah, see, she's a, she's oh, yeah, a winter, like winter warrior. Winter sport. Yeah. No, I've been trying to go outside too. I've also been pretty bad about it. Um, definitely not hitting those early morning rays. Like the last thing I want to do when I wake up is like go outside in the cold. Yeah. It's just not not how I like to start my day. No. Um, but I have I have been trying to like do the cold thing as much as the light thing, you know, like mm-hmm. the going out in shorts and a t shirt for like Yes. Yeah, I see I yeah, so you know, I don't know if you guys know this Wim Hof fellow, um, you know, who's uh, look him up on YouTube. He's he's he 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 has demonstrated some remarkable things about I think his ability to control his own body temperature literally like with his mind and um immune system wise. Um the dude's just like a little bit superhuman and it's it, you know, it has to you know, I'm sure it, it's trendy right now, ice baths and like, you know, super cold chambers and like things like that. You've probably heard of you've probably encountered some of this somewhere. Um, but I have very reluctantly, it, it, along with Zoe, um, come to see the merits in at least trying some of this. Um, and it's like, you know, a little like 20 seconds or it, it, I started going up to like close to two minutes of um, like the coldest water at the end of your shower. Like, you know, take your don't take a cold, cold shower if you don't want. But like, um, you know, right at the very end, as I'm like rinsing off kill the hot and turn on the cold and you just get this blast. And then like, I, it, 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 and every time I'm like, yeah, here it comes. And like, you know, you kind of endure it. And then just like what I was, it, it, it is very Wim Hof. Like what I was saying about, like, you just tell yourself you don't mind. You do that here too. And you're just like, all right. Yeah. It, it feels the way it feels, but I don't have to like put a value judgment as in terms of good or bad and just mm. say, this is, it's just how it feels. And it is, it is wildly like refreshing and invigorating, especially if it's early in the day shower. Like it, it does, it does do something. Right. And so that's where I started. And then I was like, all right, if that kind of works, maybe I should be willing to try the outside thing, especially since it would dovetail with my own outside goals. Yeah. And I, I did that for a while, but it was just in the, in the even weeks leading up to the surgery, it was really hard for me to maintain, um, positive habits. And I did a really good job, like making it up to that point, um, with them. And I, and I still think that I maintained enough good habits long enough close to the surgery that at least some of them probably helped and contributed to 
the, the success of the surgery and the healing. Um, but I did fall off completely, like just mentally, like I just, I just couldn't, couldn't keep it together. And that was one of the first that, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to, um, get undisciplined about something, right. Like the first thing is going to be the going outside in, you know, shirtless. Um, and so it's been a few weeks. But that actually does feel pretty good. Like the first 30 seconds are like torture. And then like, once you get past that, I feel like the next like minute to minute and a half is like kind of bad. And then once Mm -hmm. you get past that, it's like, all right, this actually is like refreshing and invigorating. And like, I could do this for a long time. So I don't know if I ever made it to the point where I could really say that because I never really did it longer than like probably at most like seven minutes or something like that, you know? See, I feel um, like, I feel like well before the seven minute point, I was starting to feel like, all right, this is like not unpleasant. Mm. So I, I agree that there's like a, there is a line that you cross after which it's just like, you just sort of tolerate it after that. But like, it, it doesn't, it's not like a, it it just falls off for me. It's like, Mm. it's like, yeah, it's true. I can do this. But then another like four, three or four minutes later, I'm like, all right, I've done it enough. You know? I mean, that's about as long as I've done it too, because I'm just like, okay, I could do this for a long time, but I'm all set now. Yeah. And and if I really psyched myself up, I certainly could, you know, but like, yeah, it's usually. Part of um, it though is like, what am I going to, I'm just standing there on the porch. Yeah. Like in yeah, my and, shorts, it's like, so, I can't so, do anything. There, there's a, actually a, a Wim Hof app. Um, and it's, it's on here as, uh, let me see. It's actually, it's, uh, it's, it's W H M right there. Not and that. yeah, probably not. Um, <laughs> and that guides, it does, there's a bunch of things in that app, but it, it guides you through his like most basic outside in the cold breathing technique, which is like, if I remember it right, you, I think you just take one deep breath in to like get ready. And then you like hyperventilate and you, you set how many breaths it is, but it's like between 20 and 30 and yeah. you're like in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. And then I think you hold it on the out breath. And so I think you yes. empty your lungs you hold and it then you hold yeah. it for like as long as you can. So at least over a minute, you just hold it. And then it's like, I think a slow in and out. And then you repeat. you're supposed to do that in the cold. That's cool. I've never. Yeah. Done. That's what it's. It's, it's really. Okay. Yeah. So I have done that, but it's actually, it's a really hard breathing exercise though. So it doesn't, it doesn't really pass the time. You know what I mean? Make it. Like, yeah. It gives you something to do, but it's hard to keep doing it, you know, because it yeah. is just like you, you do it and you, you kind of like, you catch your breath back and then it's like, all right. Do it again. Hyperventilate. In yeah, and out, I, in I've and done that exercise, just not in the cold. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing for me is that he also says audibly in the app, like that you need to be like sitting or laying down for this. Right. But that's hard for me when I'm outside in the cold. So I, yeah. I take the risk of, of, do, of taking a header basically. And um, I do it standing up. I've never felt dizzy or like I'm going to fall though. Um, but that's the risk is that you, mm. you might, you might hyperventilate yourself to like a little, passing out and and bonk your head um, but i've never felt that way this is making me want to do that <laughs> yeah well you can't because it's 50 degrees out so yeah. <laughs> and, the, and that and that's and that's kind of the point is that i made this vow of like i'm not going to mind winter and i'm going to do all these things but like winter has made it relatively easy for me because even though like the weather's not good and it's still dark all the time but like 
it's not that cold. Like I'm not freezing my ass off. There's not 10 million um, inches of snow coming down. I don't have to drive anywhere. I can't even shovel the driveway um, thanks to my surgery, if, even if it does snow. So like, I, don't, I can't complain about that. Um, yeah, I mean, so I'm succeeding at not minding winter, but I feel like I can't, I feel like I have to do this again next year if, if this doesn't change because I haven't actually accomplished anything here, you know? Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, that's, that's the time of year it is, you know, town government wise, um, it's budget season. So the budget's getting talked about on the, you know, on the, on the budget committee, obviously heavily, as well as, um, in the, in the select board meetings. And, um, we're, we're, I think it'll be, um, probably just after this program is released, but we will, we are in the, in the process of planning, a um, might be a one-off, might be a series. Um, we'll see. Um, a discussion with one of the um, members as a special episode, uh, one of the members of the budget committee um, who's been putting together some um, like basically PowerPoint simplifiers of aspects of the budget, um, which, which I, th- I do think is helpful, um, which, which kind of breaks it down saying like the X of X much of the money in this department budget line is going here, you know, like, it, you know, because the budget is, you know, like a 50,000 line, um, like, you know, spreadsheet or PDF document or whatever, you know, and like it, it's all publicly available in there, but like having a summary of it broken down like that is beyond just like department totals and things like that. But like, uh, it's not just a summary, really. It's a bit of analysis as well and an interpretation and, and kind of helps taxpayers, um, understand why the money is being spent and, and what we think about that from what I've seen so far. Um, it, it, um, the, what's in the slides actually is, um, it's, uh, how do I want to phrase this? I want to say it's like, it's pro budget. Like that's, that's, that sounds silly. Like it's not, it's not a criticism of how the money, it's it's actually an explain, a very helpful Mm -hmm. explainer of, Oh yeah, that's oh fuck shit. There's a, there is a reason for all this, you know? And like, maybe there's a couple of things where it's like, we might want to collectively look into this more because it, it, it could be uh, an area of opportunity, but for the most part, these items um, that he's laid out, at least in this initial slide deck, um, which which he'll he'll bring to us um, in the special episode, um, uh, you know, m- mostly just provide justification um, and actually a lot of sense around what otherwise would just be line items and numbers. Um, and so, so we're going to do a little bit of that. Um, you know, one um, one interesting thing was there was a um, there was an email exchange um, that they uh, attached to the. Um, the select board packet, um, for the select board meeting this past week, um, and w- which they do sometimes, you know, anytime they feel that a communication is, uh, you know, fall. Now, a lot of people don't know this, but any email that it was sent or received by any Peterborough town employee, um, is subject to the public. Um, you, and that, this is true of any government employee, basically anywhere in the country. I mean, you can submit a freedom of information act request and, and get anybody's email at any time. Um, you know, my, my brother is, um, you know, he's a graduate student Congress advisor at the university of Arkansas. 
and all of his emails are subject to Freedom of Information Act search, even though like, what, what, what would anyone possibly want with that, right? But technically, because it's a state university, he's an employee of the government, and we all have the right to know. So anyways, we have the right to know all this, but they will print these and they will put them in the packet sometimes if there is a belief by someone that, that it um, belongs directly in the public record um, because it, it's, it's relevant or whatever. And it was, it was kind of an interesting exchange because um, uh, w- one of the budget committee members, you, you may have heard of him, Andrew Osterman, um, the original Fight Club Santa, um, was just asking a lot of questions of the of the finance director um, of of the town who who puts together um, you know the budget just being like you know why is this listed like this and all this stuff and it's like you know you 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 could read it and be like man he's being a pain in the ass um, and and maybe maybe it was you know that's fine but it, we certainly if we have a budget committee which the the existence and the power of the budget committee is is a is a, a matter of question and is a separate subject, which we won't, we won't get into right now. Right. But like, if we have a budget committee, regardless of whether it's a strange figurehead body with no authority at all, um, the member should have the ability to ask precisely this kind of question. Um, and even if it is a pain in the ass, that's, you know, it's the finance director's job to answer them. And, you know, she, she was doing a decent job and, and the questions were certainly not unfair or belligerent. Um, and there was, um, it was, that's all it was, was, was Andrew and the finance director and on copy were the members of the budget committee and the select board. Um, because the, the purpose of his questions was to, I might as well just say it, he's the guy putting together the, the PowerPoints. And so he was asking these questions so that he could prepare the PowerPoints in hopes of having them ready before the meeting on Tuesday. I guess they weren't interested in, in including that in Tuesday's meeting. They'll, they'll probably be shown to the public in the budget committee meetings. Um, but that was his intent anyways. Was he, he wanted to kind of have some of this in his head before, I think, the select board meeting. Um, and so it was it was relevant for, for everybody involved. And... Um, Nicole, the, you know, everyone knows our, our esteemed town administrator kind of chimed in at some point and was like, you know, I think we're running afoul of open meeting laws in, in having this conversation because we have a quorum of two boards, not just one, but budget committee and select board um, on this email chain. And, you know, I think we've talked about open meeting laws and um, quorum laws on this program before. I, I like the, you know, and, and if, if we have, then I've said this before that I like, I do like the idea of transparency as a, as a, you know, it, to a certain degree, you, you can't, ha- the government can't be opaque. Um, information has to be available. It can't all be conducted in secret, but I, I actually, as, as someone who's a manager and who, you know, works on large projects and, 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 and things like that, I, I don't really believe in 100% transparency as the primary goal uh, of anything. And it, 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 it's we should have some of it, and we should. Have, but what it ultimately does is it prevents anybody from having a conversation, um, because say select board. This is the easiest example. There's three of them, so a quorum is two. So Bill Kennedy and Bill Taylor, the two bills, run into each other on the street, right? If they talk about anything related to town business when they run into each other in the street, they have just broken the law and they have run afoul of open meeting um, 
uh, regulations, which in, in this case, where it takes place is, is you have to notify the public of the open meeting with enough notice. So it's not just that like this conversation now constitutes a meeting. Your violation is that you didn't tell everyone like two weeks ago that you guys were going to run into each other on the street and make some remarks about town business, which is not possible to do. Okay. And Bill and Bill should be able to like go to me, Jalisco and have a margarita and like plan shit in my opinion. And we shouldn't have to know everything that they say in that conversation. I think it's, I think the, the idea that we have the right to like inspect and pick apart every comment made about official business by every town official, it really inhibits ideas and it inhibits solutions because sometimes when you are in that position of, of, of authority and, 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 um, representation and you are charged with problem solving, you have to be able to throw out ideas as part of brainstorming. And like, sometimes you might, you might have to say something that's like popularly unpalatable, not because that's ultimately what the solution is, but just because it's part of the process of saying like, Mm -hmm. in the realm of possibility, these are, these are the options or just for the sake of argument, let's consider this crazy thing. Right. And that's helpful in coming to a solution. That's helpful in, in creatively um, finding ways forward and you can't do it really because you're always going to be afraid less so on the local level, but certainly as you get higher up into, you know, legislative bodies at the state and federal level, um, you, everyone's going to be too afraid to actually have those honest brainstorming discussions because of anything that they say can be twisted out of context and like highlighted and, and be like, this is what, you know, this, this thing that they wanted to consider in a good faith conversation becomes what they believe in a controversy and something that they have to apologize for, because that's how politics and the media work. We, we know this. Um, so I hate that. Right. And so what Nicole was saying is that because this is an email chain with quorums on it, we're effectively having a meeting and you got to stop. And Andrew responded back very politely um, with a a quote in a section from the relevant RSA, New Hampshire's Revised Statutes Annotated, um, which is what we insist on calling our laws. And um, it doesn't doesn't really say that. Um, And and, um, if you read the letter of the law, what was happening there was not in violation of it. And, you know, Nicole replied with some guidelines from the attorney general that she felt um, were a little bit stronger. Um, And these are guidelines specific to how the attorney general of the state recommends that this RSA be applied practically. And, you know, Andrew responded again saying, no, I understand what the guidelines are saying, but that's not what I'm doing. Um, His point was making a distinction between one budget committee member asking questions of the town's finance director, which any citizen can do, um, and people on copy for informational purposes, and a different situation in which he and other committee members slash select board members were actively discussing and deliberating the subjects at hand, Mm -hmm. which he felt would fall afoul 
of the law and would constitute a meeting. But because this isn't deliberation, this is simply factual, what is the answer to this question in this public document, which is the budget, you know, uh, to prepare for the actual public meeting. So that, you know, which is in better service to the public, right? To have everyone yeah. prepared and on the same page. And I, I have to say, no, no shade on Nicole, but I agree with Andrew here. I think he is correct about the law. And um, even regardless of my low opinion of the, of the, um, you know, the, the open meeting laws, he, he I, I don't think that that's in violation of it. You have to be able to do that, um, you know, with people on copy. And like I said, no, no one was deliberating, like no one was discussing or advocating. It was simply, why is, it was literally questions about um, how the budget is laid out. Like, why is this line here and what is included in this line? strictly the facts, um, which I think is legitimate. Um, so, the, the, but he did agree to stop the conversation um, just because that's what Nicole wanted. And, you know, she said that she would put it in the, in the um, select board packet to, to try to uh, absolve the, the violation that she believed already exists, which I, I, I don't think that there's a violation there. Um, but it's just interesting that that's, that that's how it works. You know, that there's, and I, and that's what I don't like is that because what he was doing is pure business. Like it's the, like the yeah. business that must be done and right to know open meeting shit shouldn't get in the way of that. Like, because if you had to have us have an actual in-person announced meeting at which you could ask all of those questions, right. That would just slow perhaps even, like intestines after surgery, grind the operations of the government to a halt. And that, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense, I don't think. So just a clarifying question. If he had not copied all of the members of the committee and just like emailed the chair of the committee, it would not- or, emailed the fi- or emailed the finance director? Or the, yeah, sure. It, it, that wouldn't have been even questionable? Is it just because like everybody That's- was on copy? That was Nicole's position. Yeah. And he was saying everyone needs to be on copy because they all need to know this. Yes. You know, but, but it could have, but (laughs) so like, it wouldn't have been an issue if he just like emailed the person, got the answers and then like individually emailed each other person. Technically speaking, I think even under Nicole's interpretation that that would be, I mean, that would you know, that would be skirting things, but that would be, yeah, that wouldn't run afoul of it because there's no quorum at any point in time in that, in that flow. That's just, it's just weird. Um, Because, you know, like the budget committee, I think is five, right? So quorum is three. So two budget committee members are allowed to talk. Um, Right. And that's, and that's another thing that like, I've, I I think I've mentioned before too, that I, I don't think would be the worst thing in the world. I don't know if it's necessary. And it, of course, under the, under the RSA, it might be illegal, but like, it would be better, in my opinion, to have five select board members so that two of them can have a conversation at a time yeah. just solely for that reason. I think that's enough of a reason to do it. You know, um, it'll never, I, I, I don't want to say it will never happen. I certainly, it's not super high on my list of things to advocate for right now, but you know, maybe, maybe in five years or so we'll tackle that one. But like, it would be, it would smooth operations. I think, um, yeah. if you had five. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So 
that's kind of what's up, what's next town calendar wise. You know, the, the truth of the matter is though, slow time of year, fine, but like things will pick up before you know it. Um, and we will have school board elections in two months. Um, and you know, that will be the time between that and town meeting always goes by real fast. Yeah. Shameful that I don't know this, but is the school budget also part of this budget season or is it on its own timeline? It is on its own. So it, yeah, good, good question because the school budget is technically part of the town budget, but it is not part of the town budget that is like handled by the budget committee and the select board. Right. Um, so it's part of the broader budget, but it's not discussed as part of this. Um, they, we just get a number from, well, technically we get a number from the people because the people sign off on it in March. That That is what will happen. Okay. Okay. Um, and, you know, so during those school board elections, any um, vacancies or people whose terms are up um, will run and there will be um, elections of, of school board officials, which to remind everyone is a, is a convoluted and bizarre process because there's so many towns and um, each town has a certain number of people, I think proportionate to population, but maybe not on the Conval school board. Um, so these elections happen in multiple towns, you know, Peterborough, however many, um, board members Peterborough has, I should know this. I never do. Um, but we'll, we'll do our best this year. I think we can do better this year than, than, than in prior years, um, to cover this. And so we'll, by February, we'll figure this out. Um, and um, so there, there may be contested elections. Sometimes there are. Seems like often there are. Um, this is like the lowest turnout election always of the year, and it's because um, you know most of the other towns, as we've talked about, have their town meeting at this time. Um, and I, I kind of wish we would to be more in line with them, and because it would draw more attention to the school board races. Yeah. Um, but as it is, not a lot of people want to go out just to vote for that. But the the second part that they vote on is the school board, the existing school board will simply present a budget. And they, they have, I think, hearings to, to the public where it gets, it does get argued about and yeah. talked about, but, but it's, but they're not town meeting meetings where we can be like, I move that we amend line th- this to this. It's a, it's a presentation with argument. And then it just goes before the voters as an up or down. Um, and it always gets approved, um, which is why nothing will ever change. Um, unpalatable as it is to vote against the school budget, um, and, and then, you know, people will hate me for saying that because of what happened in that fucking town, you know, um, the, the Croydon. Yeah. But maybe it was a Croydon. Yeah. The libertarians in Croydon where they have the game preserve. It was a Croydon. That's, that's what came to mind, but I could be wrong. Um, they, 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 they went a little too far. Um, and I do have to find this as Jimmy, the producer, because this is important. Um, this, oh, yeah. So it's a tiny town um, of Croydon. You're right. Oh, sorry. Um, you are right. It is Croydon, where the vote was 20 to 14. But what they did was they got enough of them there. And they basically... Um, so maybe this was... Maybe they could... Maybe you can amend it in this meeting, because I think that's what they did, was... In the meeting, there were enough people there to say, we move to cut the school budget from 1.7 million, um, which is a fraction of our town. I think Peterborough alone is $50 million a year um, for our contribution to Conval, 50 million. 
Um, or maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe the total budget is 50 million, but the school budget is half of that. But I don't think so. We'll look that up. We'll fact check that. Um, but it's a huge number of millions. Um, and anyways, they cut it, the school budget from 1.7 million to 800,000, um, which of course, democracy, people have the right to do this. But what this effectively did was, you know, and I do, I, I, I say it'd be nice to vote down the budget to force some changes, but the, much of the budget year to year must sort of stay the same, lest the system collapse. Like any reforms that we identify that we want to make to reduce the budget, like need to be identified and planned, right? If you just take your school and cut the budget in half, well, yep, in theory, you could like fire half of everybody and, but you can't use like half the electricity. You can't, you know, so it's like, how, how do you, you can't make, they basically crippled their own public school um, through this vote. So listen, guys, don't panic. I know you think I'm a, you know, sometimes a libertarian trumper or something like that i'm really not and i'm not advocating for that i don't i don't want to um tear conval all the school buildings to pieces brick by brick um not what i'm saying um but we do always complain about the 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 budget and the the budget in general and the taxes going up and all this stuff and you know the biggest driver of that is the school budget um and we can talk a lot more about why that is the way that it is, but it's um, not as simple as the amount of school buildings that we have. It's a problem nationwide. And it's, it's because if you look at numbers, um, it has nothing to do with teacher salaries. And it's, um, you know, it's a phenomenon known as administrative bloat, where the amount of money in school districts that are spent on consultants and administrators has gone like this while teacher salaries have remained completely flat like this. And that's where the money goes. Um, and you know, are our kids smarter because of that, because of whatever, whoever these fucking people are that command those kinds of salaries. Um, we'll talk about this more another time, but I don't really think so. Um, yeah. So, so this is, you know, so a lot of government coming up, you know, um, it's, it'll be here. It's, it's dull right now, but it's all, this is all going to be here before we know it. And, um, I am having, having gotten my new lease on life here, very much looking forward to, um, living among all of you for decades to come, but certainly for the year of our Lord, 2023, um, which for me anyways, can't possibly go worse than 2022. Um, had a, had, I had even problems beyond cancer, if you can believe that. That'd be enough, right? But like, nah, we're, this is the, this is, this is a, I'm not going to say it's going to be a banner year because who knows, but like, I don't want to jinx it, but way better, way better than last year. And I think it will be for all of you out there as well, especially if you are a loyal and enthusiastic listener of, or viewer of this program. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think we can kind of call it there. We, we were going to um, help out the, the misconnection singles, but um, we've, we were a little over time and uh, we'll be back on our once a week schedule um, from here on out. Um, but look, you know, look for some changes. We might ch- shake up our platform. We might shake up our studio setup, um, you know, how we record these, um, how we get our guests on. I don't know. Um, we use something called Zencaster, but like I, um, it's, and it's been, it's been good to us for a couple of years, but um I think that um, maybe we can do better. And um, we're, we're always looking to improve over here at 
Gomenadnock and MU Media as a whole. Um, this episode, as all our episodes are, is produced by Chad Patterson, the wonderful man from Manchester, not, well, he's not from there, resident, denizen of um, a burger about town of Manchester, New Hampshire. Um, he is our sound lord and producer. He's the one who makes this sound as good as it does. And, you know, in fact, if we're looking for a new platform, we probably will do an episode on it and like test it and send him the audio. And like, he'll tell us if like, no, this is, this is garbage. You can't, you can't do that. You got to stick with Zencaster or like, no, it's not because he is the expert and maybe not in all cases. Right. But when it comes to our audio production and our sound needs, we do trust the experts here on GoMo tonight. And you should too. He's got an outfit called Studio 117, found at studio117.net, at which if you contact him, he will work out a special arrangement with you for basically any sound need that you might have or can think of, whether it's production like this, whether it's mixing of some other kind, whether it's consultation, setup whether it's telling you how to make your beautiful soprano voice sound the best that it can be with your crappy microphone. He's the guy who can help you out with all of those things. He's available there. He's also the, uh, what do we want to call him? The, the star, the star, the star, the star lead guitarist of the hottest dad rock band easily at this point. I don't even think this is disputed in New England as they continue to pick up gig after gig after gig across New Hampshire, uh, Massachusetts. I betcha we'll see them in Connecticut and Maine this year, um, down by 10. And, um, you know, their success may come to your, your, your detriment in some ways. Like, granted, I think next month they'll be back in, in Milford, which we're going to demand that all of you go to. Um, but the thing is, the more public gigs they book, the fewer weekend dates they're available for your bar mitzvah, your corporate event, your um, you know retirement party, your over the hill party. Oh my God! Maybe we'll have them play at mine uh, a couple years away, but I, I still believe it over the hill at forty. By the way, um, but so get out there. If you, get, I mean, honestly, at this point, if you've got something in like June or July that you want them at, contact them today. Contact info is going to be in the show notes down by ten. Hottest dad rock around. They are playing any cover that you can dream of from 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and the aughts. But like anyone sensible, they don't go beyond the Bush administration because what is there beyond that? Honestly, we know this. Okay, so very th thanks, Chad. And seriously, guys, avail yourself of Chad's services. Not only is he talented and knowledgeable, but he's just a really fucking pleasant guy. We really like Chad. Um, and, and, his, and his wife, Brandy, is a phenomenal artist, so look her up as well. Um, that's our show. That's our first show of 2023. I'm, I'm really optimistic about where we're going from here. I'm really glad that all of you have come along with us on this. Glad to be here with just the left kidney, whatever else. I think we've given you plenty of things to chew on and plenty of options to choose from. And whatever strikes your fancy, whatever, you know, shakes your bush or whatever, all I have to say is, Till we meet again, take good advice. We'll see you next time.